With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, Athlete Podcast. Joe Pollard, Rutgers assistant coach. Thank you for coming on. Appreciate you having me, Mal. Um, you were just talking about you had guys on the mat this, the Monday after NCAA's. Is that true? Uh, yeah, there were guys that were, you know, they didn't want to sit around and lick their wounds and they knew they needed to get better and they wanted to get better. And they just had that excitement from, Hey man, I didn't get what I wanted. Why am I going to wait around to take a break, um, and figure it out when I can, I can get better now. Okay. That's a, a, a luxury to have as a coach. But something tells me that that thought process of that th- their idea to come into the room on a Monday after the NCAA tournament, having not accomplished all of their goals, that thought that that thought uh, probably wasn't their own. It was probably set in their brain six months ago, eight months ago, two years ago by you and the rest of the Scarlet Knight coaching staff so what is it what type of process goes into supplanting thoughts into these kids heads that make them want to be in the room on the monday after ncaa's well as you know right you've worked with so many different types of kids so many different personalities so many different they come from so many different upbringings and families and backgrounds right so a lot of it's individualized in terms of, hey, I know this kid, maybe he wasn't a state champ till he was a senior and he had to work, work, work. And he's like, he doesn't know anything but work. He didn't win at a young age. So he's mm-hmm. like, hey, I got to get back to work. My junior year, I took fourth in the state. I was back to work on Monday. So it's mm-hmm. a typical process. Those guys that won all the time, some of them are like, hey, I'm used to taking a break. I won. Now I take a break and then I get better. Um, and other ones, have just always been on that road of and really they listen when we talk about hey there's evolution guys there's growth like when anthony astronaut and nick Suriano won national titles for us they knew that wasn't the end that wasn't it mm. that wasn't their best match so even those guys hey i'm getting back in the room pretty quickly right right when anthony won you know three i think it was three weeks later maybe four weeks later uh you know he was in the finals uh, uh, against James Green, right down in down in Raleigh, North Carolina. We already went right down to the trials, right down after that, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so there's a lot more to it than just hey, this is the message to everybody. Right. Um, and it's and it's, there's some individual message, but the whole message for us is, you know, there's a purpose driven growth, right? And that purpose driven growth is, hey, I'm not coming in the room because I'm supposed to be in a room. I'm not coming in the room to get a sweat. I'm not coming in the room to get a workout. Like, what is my purpose when I'm in this room? You know, mm-hmm. and, and we, it's easy to use examples from the past because those guys did it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You know? yeah. So, 
you know, you can only use those examples. You would, so they much. wouldn't be examples. They wouldn't be examples if, if they didn't do it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, but, but that's, that's the tricky part, right. Is like getting the new crop to buy in. Um, is there a particular, so you mentioned different, you say upbringings and, and, and I guess it's an upbringing through the sport. There are the guys that have won everything from, Tulsa Nationals to give it a name, whatever, right? And then there are guys who did not. And those guys, and then there, I'm sure that there's like a spectrum in between there. Oh, yeah. Right. What what have you found is is the hardest personality type, I guess, to or or situation type to deal with when when you're trying to motivate these, you know, I mean they're they're basically professional athletes they're, yeah, mean, they're call, yep. yeah so it's it's tricky right so wh- how do you who do you find is the most difficult to to kind of work with there probably the more the more challenging ones are guys that have won a lot mm. on their talent mm. you know guys that have because listen you get one percenters right those dudes are talented they're they're workhorses. They're mentally tough. Um, mm-hmm. and they've been through adversity and just ran through it. Yeah. That's few. That's few and far between, mm-hmm. right? Then you have the guys that are really talented, but and by that I mean they just get it. You know, you show mm-hmm. a kid something, they just get it, right? And maybe they don't have to work as hard as some of the other kids. Maybe they don't have mm-hmm. to dial in their nutrition the way some other kids do. Maybe mentally they're able to. You know, it's, it's almost a a an unrealistic confidence that they're able to set upon themselves, and that's why sure. they got to where they were. But they didn't get it because of diligent work, right? So now you have to instill that diligent work because everybody's talented in the Big Ten. And if you're not talented, you're super tough. Yeah, and and, and you're going to combat that talent with my toughness, with my lack of cutting corners with my confidence through preparation, right? All those you're going to combat. Maybe if there's a little bit of a chink in your armor, you're going to strengthen up everything around it with what you don't have. So the kids that are winning on you know, talent, I would say, and kids that are winning, uh, maybe they're a little bit more of, a little bit more mature than other kids their age physically, you know, and then everybody catches up to you in college is where you have to fill in the gaps and really be able to explain to these kids, listen, dude, listen, you're a duck. You have the slickest duck in the country. You know? Congrats. Just, Congrats. Great, great job. You're going to hit that on each guy once. Once. And then they're going to punch you in the face. <laughs> you know, and then they're going to be mad because because Mike Mao's going to throw a video up of a filthy duck. And they're like, you know what? Wait till you see this reaction. So many people have so- it's so unbelievable. The amount, listen, the amount of fights that you've caused is is countless, countless. <laughs> the amount of times dads have gotten to me about their kids, poor uh, kids are catching a beat. <laughs> oh, that's not nice, Joe Pollard. Why bring that up? <laughs> listen, I'm just saying the truth hurts. The truth hurts, but at the same time, they, it's a it, listen. It's a two sided coin there. Yeah. Because, and I know it sounds crazy and it sounds, 
you know, um, you know, pretty, pretty surface level, but mm -hmm. you throw up a clip of a kid, you know, that's getting passed around the group chat right away. It was like, yo, yeah. yo, you see him on Mike Bell, you see him on Mike Bell. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, no, it also, it, it feeds it, it feeds the ego on some kids and other kids, you know, it just makes them ornery, ornery. Ornery. Mm, yeah. That's a, that's a good point. Um, all right. So, I know you, I, I've, we've known each other for years. I know the answer to this question, but I, I want to hear it anyway. What is your favorite type of kid to work with? If that's the kind, like, so I could probably rattle off three guys who were at that college Ave gym uh, over the last 20 years uh, that, that fit the mold of what you were talking about earlier. Um, you know, surfers that, that were so talented in high school that that they just they couldn't fathom like they were almost indignant that someone would come back at them like huh, is he allowed is he do that yeah um but the other end of the spectrum talk to me about kids that other and maybe maybe they do want to island their nutrition. They do want to do the right to talk. Talk to me about how excited you get when you those. So it, it's it's awesome when we get a kid who is hungry to learn, right? I want a kid who's hungry to learn. I want a kid who asks a lot of questions, right? I want a kid who, at the end of the practice, is going over the things that we talked about and is taking notes in their phone or they have a notebook right and and they're they're able to do that but also you have to have a high wrestling iq right a high wrestling iq makes a huge difference at this level right because everybody has a go-to attack everybody has my way to get out on bottom everybody has a ride that they like that doesn't mean it's going to work, right? So you have to evolve. You have to learn, right? So we really like, and I really like kids that take into account that everything matters. Your sleep, your nutrition, your strength training, wrestling. But at the end of the day, you're a wrestler. You're not a weightlifter. You're not a runner, right? All those things help. And all those things, they fill in the gap. But at the end of the day, you have to love this sport. You have to love learning. And you have to be open-minded enough to be coached. Right? So we had a kid who you worked with for a while, right? Even through college, right? Scotty Winston. He would listen to anybody intently. He would intently listen to you about technique. Now, did he always put it in his arsenal? Not always but he would listen and learn, right? You knew him from a young age and you worked with him for years and he picked up a lot and he picked it up and he picked it up and he picked it up, right? Now, but that that mentality of, of openness to learning is huge and it's, it's mandatory in today's day and age. With all the ability, with, all, with, with everything that is given to these kids in terms of technique, video footage, 
breakdowns, everything on the technique around the world. If you're not willing to learn, if you're not open to that, you're putting yourself behind the eight ball. How do you recognize that in a recruit uh, or somebody that obviously like you can really get a sense of somebody as you work with them over a longer term and you have them all the time. How do you identify that that trader, those skills within recruits that you're actively looking into to bring in? A lot of it comes down to doing your homework, right? And talking to coaches and going and watching them practice. You, I get a lot more out of watching a kid practice than watching a kid compete. Because majority of the time, the kids that we're watching that compete, 98% of the kids are going to pound. They're just that good. They're elite level guys. And there's not that many elite level guys in the country. Now, you go to Super 32, you go to Trials, you go to Fargo, they're going to have some good matches. But if you go watch a kid during his high school season, it's pretty rare to see him in a dogfight. You know, unless it's the Ironman or maybe Skate the Rock, Powerade, something like that. But other than that, if, when we can go recruit and see a kid, I'd much rather go to practice. I want to see how does he warm up? Does he take the warm up serious? Uh, does he skip a rep? Um, you know, is he focused the whole time? Um, does he listen to the coach or does he do his own thing? When they're working on a crackdown finish and the coach is showing a finish, is he working on that particular finish at that time or is he a know it all? And well, I do it this way and I'm just going to do it this way. Right? So, so it depends on the kid, depends on the coach. Um, how does he treat his teammates? You know, does he build his teammates up or does he just, hey, there's some guys that we've had that are really, really good that they just lambaste their teammates and they just hammer them. But then at the end of practice, they're the one smacking them on the butt, telling them to cool down. I love that. Mm -hmm. You know, now there's also a bit of selfishness in this sport, mm -hmm. right? You have to be selfish to a point, without a doubt. You know, and there's some programs that are, hey, we have 10 individuals. Everybody do your job and we'll be fine. That works. That, that works for some people. But Okay. No, that's fair. I can't, I can't hate, right? Like, it just sounds icky, right? It does, it's, right? It's way easier and way more fun to do it all together. But And that's – no, no, I'm with you. And I agree with that because here's the thing. On match day, there's 10 individual battles that have to happen. Mm -hmm. But – but you only have how many? You only have sixteen dates a year. A year, you only have sixteen. So, like, you have, you know, three hundred and fifty, three hundred and fifty other days, three hundred forty-nine other days. So you have to be a team. You have to come together. You have to work together to get to where everybody wants to go. I can't have one guy. I can't expect uh, my thirty-three pounder to be a national champ when the other guys around them aren't working together. You got to work together. That's why you always see so many times that all Americans national champs are back to back or one weight class apart. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I a hundred percent agree. I, can, can we switch gears though? For, for me, you're, can you just tell everyone, I know, but tell everyone your history with Rutgers wrestling, right? Because, I mean, you started off, I mean, basically, you're working equipment. Let's call it what it is. <laughs> no, so I, mean, I, was, yeah. so I, I was I was at the college in New Jersey at Division Three school, um, and I was there for going into my ninth year. Um, and Goodale and I had known each other through Team New Jersey. Um, and when I was at TCNJ, I was recruiting some of his Jackson kids to come to TCNJ, right? Kinchin, 
right? Kinchin was probably the main kid we got from there that came up to, to TCNJ. Um, and I developed all my roots and my relationships in the state um, at clubs and at high schools and through doing clinics and camps and running around and recruiting and doing everything I could to help TCNJ and help, help make us the best team in the country. Um, I got to know Scott real well at those camps um, and through through USA New Jersey wrestling, through going to Fargo together, junior duels, all, all the above. And he had approached me about coming up there as a volunteer assistant. Um, and I told him, I said, listen, man, like you've been there a year. I'm, I'm going to be head coach at TCNJ in a year. So I'm going to leave one of the most storied programs in Division Three to be to be a head coach at, you know, at that time I was 20 or I was just about 30. So I was about to be a head coach at 30 years old, take over one of the most prolific camps in the country, right? Eight, 900 kids a summer. For what? To just, just to say I'm coaching at Division One. Um, so I turned him down the first time. Went, wait, it was just a, a little conversation. And then he's like, all right, he's like, let's talk again after the season. I was like, all right, man, sounds good. If we communicated all year, I would go up to a match here and there. And, and, uh, and I saw it starting to build, starting to build. And I was like, man, they're starting to get some momentum behind this, you know? And then so, again, right after the season, that spring, freestyle starts. He's like, yo, bring some of your guys up to, to the RTC. So I brought some TCNJ guys up. We work out. And I would end up working out with the Rutgers guys. And my guys would work out with the Rutgers guys. But I would just be in the workout, you know, working out with Billy Ashnault. When he was, Billy Ashnault was a sophomore. And Daryl Cocosa and Mario Mason. And these guys were Joey Lengel, uh, Matt Fusco. Those guys were all there. So I'd be wrestling with them. Another week or so, Scott's like, hey, just come up and meet with me. Just come sit down. So I go sit down. We talk. And he sold me on it, dude. Like, the vision, it was so clear. It was so obvious. We were going to win. And he couldn't even talk. We weren't even thinking Big Ten yet. But he's like, we're going to win. We're going to have national champs. Here's how we're going to do it. Here's who we're recruiting. Here's what we need to recruit. Here's why you need to be here. Here's your impact that you're going to have on it. And I'm like, I come home. And I was like, well, no, and I talked to my old man, and I'm like, oh, what do you think? He's like, well, you already made up your mind. He's like, it's <laughs> over. He's like, I don't, this is a formality. I don't know why you're talking to me. He's like, it's over. I'll give you my blessing, but it sounds like you're going anyway. Yeah, yeah. So the hardest part of that, I go talk to Ice, and I'm like, you know, Coach Ice, who is, you know, second winningest coach in history, I've, he's been kind of grooming me for nine years to, hey, this is yours. And I was like, Ice, listen, man, like, uh, I'm going to go to Rutgers. And he was like, they all had, had some choice words, you know, and at the end of the day, he was like, listen, man, I don't I, I don't agree with your decision, but I'll always support you, mm. you know, and then he goes, I just I don't see where your longevity is there, you know, because he assumes Winston is done. He's going to want to coach. He just assumes some of these high level guys are going to want to coach. Um, so he's like, I just don't know. He's like, but he's like, I think you're making the wrong decision, but I will always support you. I said, all right. So I tell Scott, all right, I'm coming out. So I was I was the volunteer for. One, two, three, for three. I was a volunteer for three years. And then I moved into the second assistant position for a year. Then I moved back to volunteer for a year. And then, and now during that time, remember those first three years, I was still teaching high school. I was a high school English teacher. So I would teach, get out of school early and, and go up there. So I wasn't there for like morning workouts. I would work out with guys in the afternoon. Then I would stay till like seven, eight o'clock at night and get another drill in with a guy there so luckily i wasn't married at the time i didn't have kids because my days kind of were like i'd leave my house at 6 30 to go teach and i would get home around 9 or 10 or 10 30. um and so that was that was the day you know but like 
you know, you mean you're you have the same mentality I do. It's like, hey, the more I can be on the mat, the better, right? And it's and it's not about me. It's this dude's got to get better. This guy's got to get better. We got to fix it. We got to fix this. You know, and having hungry guys around you. There's never enough time. Um, so then it was able to. Uh, Billy Ashnall was taking the CBA job, and Scott was like, "Listen, like you have to be here full time." What do I have to do? Like, what number do we have to get to? What do we have to do? And so he was like, listen, like, I want you to be in the DOP role, but run the RTC. So you will train with guys in the RTC, but you'll you'll get an idea of how to run a program. Right. Because at the time when I was volunteer, I was doing all the recruiting on campus because I couldn't recruit off campus. You're in every practice. You're doing all the extras. Right. And but I didn't do anything with the budget. I didn't do anything with marketing. I didn't do anything with match day. I didn't, you know, you get to focus on the guys. And when I, so it was a long discussion, right? And it's, and finally I was like, all right, if I go DOP, now at this point, I'm married, you know, kid, uh, son. So I'm like, so I couldn't just bail on teaching and go do that and no benefits or anything like that. So the DOP was able to like, okay, here's the salary. Here's, and now you're in my, went from teaching pension to Rutgers state pension. Right, so everything carries over, um, benefits, things like that. So it's like a lot easier to talk to my wife and say, "Hey, listen," she's like, "Yeah, I know you're gonna do it. Like, just do it." Start. Again, yeah, again, it's, 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 I, I, I guess just the way I talk about it, it's like mm -hmm. I try to phrase it as, "What do you think?" But mm -hmm. it's like, "Hey, it's already done." But like, "What do you think?" Yeah, um, I've done your input on the decision I already made. Let's <laughs> talk, uh, right? Yeah, right. We, I, by the way, she's downstairs. She can attest to this. Okay. She'll like the move to California. She's like, we're fucking going, aren't we? <laughs> I'm like, well, I am. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, and I, I said it kiddingly, but you know, it, you're, you're more than welcome to come. You're more than welcome to come with me. It's cool. Pretty sure the kids like the beach too. So. Yeah. 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 But okay. So I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. So, so, so I go into the DOP role, which now that takes a little, right. A little bit of hit on your ego, right. Cause now you can't coach, you can't sit in the corner. You can't be in the corner at the national tournament. You can't right? So it changes things. Right. Um, and that's at the point where I think I grew even more as a coach because, Hey, you're coaching now. Yeah. I mean, I'm coaching in the RTC, right. So, so I have senior level guys, that are coming in and out with us that we're working with. And then when our guys are in the RTC, you're working with them, but it's, it's a lot more cerebral coaching because you're having discussions, right. And you're talking more about, Hey, your preparation and where's your, where is your mind before the match? Where is your mind? Anthony? when you're learning, what are you, are you thinking about just what is the move or are you thinking about, Hey, how am I going to incorporate this into my toolbox? How my motion is different than this. How am I going to get to this? Um, and all that along with, hey, man, like, it's still a sport. Like, it's fun. Well, it's fun. Man, that is – that's tough. Yeah. That, that's really difficult for me right now. It's it's one of the hardest parts. Um, the balance there. Because you know what else is weird? Um, I have to train girls now, which is, like, different, way different. And they think that I'm yelling at them. I'm just excited. Like, don't, I'm just, I, I don't know how else to, like that, 
I don't know how else to say that didn't suck. Like I like that was awesome. You know what I mean? And and so I think they think that I'm yelling at them. And like some of these girls are like well up with tears. I'm like, I'm no, I'm sorry, sorry. You know? Um, so how do you how do you ex uh uh express passion without because we 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 express like as coaches as people we express passion about things that are important to us how do you express passion and then on the other side of the coin say yeah but it's just <laughs> it's so hard yeah yeah um for me a lot of it is like you like to have a, a discussion with the kids or kid or whatever and you're like yo like don't take it personal like try not to take it personal and that's hard too because you're in the heat of the moment you're in the middle of practice you know you're in a dog fight you don't know where you are half the time because you're breathing so heavy and you're exhausted and your lungs are about to come out of your chest and the coach is yelling at you like you know in the leg you gotta fit be efficient blah blah you got so much going on in your head and then you know coach says something and it's yeah, maybe, maybe it is a little bit negative or maybe it's just pointing out the mistake you made. But it's like, hey, don't take it personal. I'm just telling you what you did. At the end of the day, maybe I do it with more energy or more excitement. Or a, and, and then my big thing is I try not to have a negative connotation to anything I do in a room. But it's, it's impossible to never do it. Right. But, but I try to be very conscious of how I say things. Yeah. And sometimes I'll even have to like bite my tongue to think how I'm going to say it when I want to just fire off. Right. And it's like, and then you wait a second and then you're like, God, you were so close. Like, just gotta be, make this adjustment. Instead of conversation with my son, I'm not even kidding. We'll be, we'll be in town in in June. I'm not kidding. You have this conversation with my son. Yeah, absolutely. Because here's the thing, man. I'm, I can't, first of all, I can't wait to dish him off. Jesus Christ. I can't like, I, I just, I don't want. I don't want to coach him anymore. I don't want to coach him anymore. I, I love him too much to to be. Yeah, I, yeah. I just. I just. I don't want to coach him at all. Um, but he he takes. He takes um, instruction as almost like a, like and like you said in that mo- in that very finite moment of like dang it I was in on a scramble I had a far ankle I it slipped I got one finger on a on a shoelace and 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 i'll come through with some and and he just he he takes it really really personally almost like a like an attack on his soul and 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 it's like i'm like dude you can't like do you want me to stop i promise trust me i'll stop trust me he's like no i just need to not do that thing anymore and so it's it's I can trust. It's so tricky, man. It's so it, tricky. It's a fine line, dude. I, I well, I remember stories. I remember you would you would like send me a video of him. I think he was like eleven or twelve, mm-hmm. and you woke up at like two in the morning and he's doing kettlebell swings in the garage. Yeah, you know well, what I mean. It was, it was yeah, it was three like three three to three thirty. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's a psychopath. I don't know where he gets it from. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. What else, Joel Shaw? Anything for uh, Mr. Pollard? Yeah, I'm curious, kind of along those lines of, you know, keeping things in perspective of how do you balance, you know, with high-level athletes at the college level where really at that point it, it becomes almost a business, right, of you need to get results, but also 
keeping things in perspective that at the end of the day, it is just wrestling, you know, and not putting too much pressure on worrying about a result. And that's a very, very difficult, uh, a difficult objective, right? You're because at this level, like you have to be on the razor's edge every time you can be. And you almost have to be on, you have to be close to the razor's edge every day in practice, Josh, you're going to get your head beat in and then your confidence starts to go down. Right. So, so it's a fine, fine line of, Hey, we got to be really sharp and we got to keep growing and we got to keep getting better, but Hey, enjoy it. Enjoy it. It's fun. You know? Um, and, and I think a lot of it goes to the perspective of, Hey, you're, you're good at this and you're here because you, you're good at it. You're good. There's no doubt you're good. You wouldn't be here if you weren't good. You know, and this is a talk I had with our guys um, right before the postseason, before the Big Tens. And um, just talking to our, more of our starters at the time, I was like, hey, guys, you've all won in March. Every, your whole career, whether it's little kid states, whether it's high school states, you've all won in March. So leading up to the end of the season where it's more important and anxiety and stress starts to build a little bit, you've all dealt with it before. You've all won here. So for me, it was, this is something you've done before, right? This isn't the unknown, right? The unknown's super scary. This isn't the unknown. Maybe you haven't been to the national tournament yet, but you've been to 13 national tournaments every year when you're a kid. <laughs> Everything's a national tournament. So, so you've been to a lot of national tournaments and you won most of them. Um, so a lot of it, I, it, that seemed to work on with some guys. It's like, hey, yeah. I'm, you know, here's an example, Brian Soldano, right? So, listen, I don't know how long I'm going to keep the brown hair coaching him. Might turn gray a little bit. But he's he's the best kid, the most lighthearted kid. He's always thinking. He loves – he's a kid who loves wrestling. Absolutely adores it every day, right? Now, we started talking a lot before matches, NCAAs, and he's like, I'm a March man. I'm a March man. So he's telling himself, I'm a March man. This is what I do. This is when I win. You know, he, listen, he he went through the trials and tribulations of a freshman in the Big Ten. Sure. Right? 184 to qualifying 12 guys. Everybody's ranked in the top 25 in the country. Every weekend is a, is a dogfight. Um, and there were some matches he lost he should have won. Right? But just his mentality when it went to the postseason, it was like, yep, I'm back. I'm back. This is what I do. Just as an aside, and this goes into that gray hair. I watched, uh, first of all, not going to NCAAs is beautiful. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> I don't envy you being in that friggin' arena at all. I sat on Steve Neal's couch and he get and Saldano gets taken down to his back. I go, he's good here. He's like, he's good where? I'm like, right there. He's good right there. Trust me. He's like, shut up. Oh, whoa, whoa. Sure enough. That's Dude, he's he bananas, man. He is bananas. But he's, hey, like I said, when I talked about before, an unrealistic confidence, right? He had never been to the national tournament. He had never been through the Big Ten schedule. He had never. But for him, it's March, baby. This is when I roll. This is when I roll. You know, and it's, and obviously he fell a little bit short, right? He was in the round of 16. Um, 
but but you know, it's all back to your question that that's the big part of it, right? Is how do you how do you work on both sides, right? And I think it's our job as coaches to keep it in perspective of hey, like hey, you're winning a lot, something's gonna go wrong, right? We don't want it to, we don't want, but it's like life. You get out, you got you get a great job, right? And then you you fail on a project and you get fired, right? Or you get demoted, or hey, that's life, man. That is realistic. Right, you got a girlfriend. You guys get engaged. You guys break up. Fortunately or unfortunately, these are things people deal with. So at the end of the day, it is wrestling. It's a sport. It's a sport you're really good at. It's a sport that is helping you get through school. It's getting you a great education. Um, but at the end of the day, like wrestling ends. There's not even one percent that get the rest of the senior level, right? Wrestling ends. There, there's what seventy-two Division One programs. Not everybody gets to coach, you know, not everybody wants to coach afterwards. So at the end of the day, it's like, hey, man, I got five years to do everything I want to do. Put everything into it. And that's where it goes back to the importance of preparation. You only get so many days, right? To, to bring it all the way back to the beginning. Hey, we traveled back on Sunday. Some guys are on the mat Monday because I only get so many days. If I take two weeks off, no, now I just, there's 14 days. I don't want to look back on that and say, I didn't do anything. I didn't get better. I didn't try to work, you know, and that doesn't mean you're in there banging on Monday, but it's just the thought process of I'm getting better. I need to get better. I want to get better. Right. And, and our guys, they've done a really good job this year of kind of changing their mentality a little bit in the dog days of the season to, man, I get to be here. Right. We talk about that a lot. I get to instead of have to. Right, get to instead of have to. And when, when you start to think about that, you know, I get to do this, I get to do this. It's like, wow, what a difference. What a difference in, in your in your own perception of, of just how you think about things. One of the other things you hit on was kind of, uh, you know, finding that balance of keeping their confidence up, right? Maybe you have a couple strings of bad days of practice and, and you can see, you know, like, oh, the he doesn't have that swagger in his step anymore. How do you how do you find that confidence when somebody is struggling and and you know they're a good wrestler, but they're just struggling to you know to get to their offense or to to execute on something that they're trying to execute on? I'd say there's there's a couple of things, right? One thing that I that I have focused on for a while, and I forget where I thought about it, but um, I picked it up from somebody. Every day when you leave practice, like the best guys think about what they did wrong or what didn't work but they rarely think about what they did right. So, you know, if I leave practice and I got 32 takedowns and I got taken down twice and I got ridden out for the last minute, well, I'm an elite guy. What am I going to think about? Getting ridden out and getting taken down. I'm not going to think about the 32 takedowns I got because I expect myself to get those takedowns, which, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. But you got to give yourself some credit for what you do. When you do do things right What's that? So one of the things that uh, this is this has been a really big point of focus for me is I start practice by telling them what they did really well the night before. Like, like, hey, I, it's so easy to tell them what we need to work on. Yeah, because they're gonna figure that out. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna work on it whether you want to or not. <laughs> so, but, but, but to start. To start practice by bringing in and telling, whoa, we we're making big strides forward on our reattacks. 
you know, whether that's true or not, it's irrelevant. Um, but but hey, even if it's even if it's true for one kid, yeah, yeah, not a lie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a lie. Yeah, you know, and I think, and I think, Mike, and you, you've definitely seen it before. But when you tell a kid something like that, something they haven't heard before, or something they haven't thought of, and you tell them what they're doing well, and they light up, it's like, oh, they're like, oh yeah. I was we we had RTC yesterday, and there's a kid there who's lights out. He's unbelievable, right? But he's hard on himself because he's won so much. He's hard on himself. So it's like, dude, look what you just did. I'm because uh, I'll video a lot of practices and just like run it back to him. Hey, look what you just did here, here, and here. He's like, man, that looks really good. I'm like, yeah, but all you're thinking about is the one pick that you got the pick and you didn't finish the lace, right? How come I couldn't transition there? You didn't think about what you did before the pick. When this kid knows your pick's coming, you're still hitting it every time, hmm. right? So, so it, it's those finer points of, hey, yes, we have stuff to work on. Yes, you need to get better at A, B, and C. But, you know, you're also crushing one, two, and three over here. Um, so that's one thing with kids with building the confidence back up, you know, and the other thing is really when kids start to understand that although each day builds on each other, right. And you want to keep stacking those good days together at the same time, like, you know, it's at the end of practice, it's the end of practice. That's it. It's over. Right? There's nothing else that if you have a bad day and I tell our guys never leave the room with that bad taste in your mouth. So if that means you got to hit 15 high crotches really smooth with a partner, go get 15 high crotches. If that means you need to run a mile to clear your head, run a mile, you know, but don't leave the room being negative. Cause you definitely did positive things that day. There's no doubt. Now don't get me wrong. There's days dudes get their head beat in and they leave, they kick the door open and listen, they ain't get, they ain't getting the 15 extra shots and they ain't running a mile. I promise you that they might be punching a locker. You know what I mean? Um, but the majority of the time, when, when you do get through to them, you know, they get it. And they start to understand, like, all right, well, let me hit. And then, because then, you know, they're they're still, although they're they're still kids. So it's like, they still remember what they did last. You, you'll you just skip over what you did last and think about what you didn't do well. Laird's tough on himself like that. Is he? Yeah, he's really, really brutal on himself. I'm like, bro, you just hit, like, so I'll teach him something and he'll pick it up pretty quickly. And like you know me, I got some off the wall shit, right? Like, yeah. like, and, and it's not just single legs and high crotches. It's no. you know under throw buys and it's you know flying inside trip. And I'm like, bro, you're not giving yourself enough credit for for the 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 inside trip from space that you hit against a a, a nationally ranked kid that's in our room. I, I, you know that's that's something, man. And and you know he didn't have the best weekend this past weekend he, good good but he's still there's like hurdles that that he's he's stuck on in his head you know and and, and finding ways over around or through those hurdles is going to be a lot of work for the next eight months ten months of my life you know because he he is worth it the kid is yeah. the kid's worth it like he's he's worth my time in in every way shape and form so you know we have to find ways to man it just it, like he sounds like a broken record sometimes he just constantly goes back to i'm not improving fast enough i'm not improving i don't give a shit whether you think it's fast enough or not you're improving yeah you know and and that's you know 
I got to be honest with you. It's the thing that I missed most about coaching when I was at Flow. But the thing that now that I'm back to coaching full time, that is the most, um, I don't, I, it's not stressful. It's just kind of maddening, right? It's just like, it, it's uh, it, it anger provoking, you know, yeah. but, it, but, it, but it is, it is, it, it's something. I, maybe, you know, for an old salt like me, it's, it's the only thing that gets me, gets me moving anymore, you know? And it's tough with those kids because, you, you know, we've all had plenty of them that you, they're working, 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 and you don't see progress fast enough. Then all of a sudden it's like a huge jump. And, and they're like, whoa. And, and, and then you sit back and you're like, told you. I told you you were getting better. It's just a matter of putting it together. How do you uh, – once kids make that jump, do you ever have kids that are – you know, like, oh, you see the you see the flash, and you're like, oh, we've made it. Well, then there's kind of like that that lull again, and now they yeah. drop back down. How do you kind of once you made that jump, like, okay, you're here, let's stay here and keep building. So, again, you know, part of that comes in the room, and part of that comes with competition, right? Because at the end of the day, most of these kids judge themselves on the competition side, right? The wins and the losses, right? The wins and the losses where they see themselves getting better. Am I beating guys? I'm supposed to be. Am I beat? Am I picking off somebody I'm not supposed to be supposed to by the rankings or by what people think? Um, so there's a competition side of it, but then there's also they compete every day in the room and they know how they do against everybody in the room, right? So there's a measuring stick of all different levels in the room, right? And then when you have an RTC, there's the measuring stick, the next measuring stick, the next litmus test is going up and up and up. So when you see those kids having those flashes, you know we like to just remind them of Hey, this is what it took to get here, right? This is what it, you're here. You're here. This is what you did to get here. So you're here. You're not. You're, you that work doesn't get taken away because you take a loss or somebody scores on you or you got here because you did all this work leading up to it. So it, it's reminding them what they did, reminding them where they're at, reminding them why they got there. Um, and it's at the end of the day, it's. You know, you want to try and figure out with these guys, like right? everybody talks about game plan, game plan, game plan. What, what's my style? Um, and it's really, it's like, hey, man, like, where are you most comfortable scoring points? Where are you most comfortable putting yourself in positions that are successful for you? Your optimal positions. How does that? How does that conversation go with Saldano? Oh, so. <laughs> Honestly, he thinks he, he thinks he's good everywhere. I mean, what's your best position? He's like, after I shake hands. <laughs> Joey, that's the best. I Dude, I, he's he's great. Listen, with the exception of the mustache, I want to be that kid so bad. <laughs> it's on. There's Mal. There's no panic. It's crazy. It's there is no panic. It's crazy. Nope nothing and the crazy thing is he's learning how to wrestle a little more solid yeah now so like if you go back and watch his wrestle back at the big 10 against salazar from minnesota yeah. if you get a chance go back and watch it there was no funk it was snap downs go behinds now he lost the tight when he lost i think he lost by two because he's going to go for something at the end but salazar you know, he's really really solid right really he's, good on top he's he, great in the top position oh and great 
He can hand fight. And he's a mutant. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So Brian being 18 years old is a mutant in his own way because, you know, listen, he lives on the farm. High Point, New Jersey. The dude doesn't look strong. He's unbelievably strong. Sure. Um, and, but it was so basic. It was go behind. It was getting, he didn't jump over the top on a scramble. So I was going to get to his leg. He'd sprawl. I was like, what is this? What is this? Novel uh, concept. Novel. But, 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 but you got to be careful, right? right? Because he's so good at what he's good at. Yeah. And you yeah. don't want to take away from that and change him. Uh, so it's like, hey, we're adding, we're adding. We're not taking anything away. We're adding right. here, adding here, adding. You look, hey, here's three options from here. It doesn't have to be go to my butt, try to kick you over first. You get beat, you get beat. Then we kick him over. Right. Do nobody, but he's he's re, in, in, in a couple positions, dude. He is so crafty. It's unreal. No, I, I believe you. And you have a lot of experience with that because you mentioned a guy who I don't know if anyone listening to this podcast would remember, but Joey Langle was as plunk dependent as anybody I can remember. But but I remember you taught and, – and by the way, round of 12, like twice, wasn't he? Yeah, round of 12, round of 16, yep. Yeah, but like for a kid with – Joey, I'm sorry if you listen to this, but next to no offense, right? I mean, next to, I mean. Let, 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 let's put it politely, limited, limited. Okay, cool. <laughs> Fine. Um, whatever. Uh, you're going to church it up again. But um, <laughs> you, I remember you telling me, like, he has to learn that while, because I think it's just that he liked to do that. Like, he just enjoyed it. Like, yeah, let's just go jump over the top and throw a foot over my head and see what happens. And I think what was interesting to me, and I remember you saying this while you were coaching him and pulling your hair out with him was like, he had to find a process in that. And there was, maybe we had to put a couple of checks, a couple boxes that needed to be checked before we jump over. What? Did I try to sprawl? Did I try to stuff the head? It you was know? straight chaos with him yeah. at, first, at first. You know, he, he got, I got to Rutgers right after his redshirt year. So he came in, he redshirted right away. And, uh, and I got there and I worked out with him a lot. Um, mm -hmm. And he was, it was, yeah, it was chaos, dude. It was like, yeah, I, I would shoot all the time because he wouldn't. So, so I, and then we'd start playing in there. And after a while, I'm just like, what are you doing? Now, don't get me wrong. He was insanely still hard to score on. Yeah. But it's like, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this and this? He's like, ah, I'm not really sure. He's like, I just figure if I go here, I'll figure out where to go next. And blah, blah. But then, but then talking about it more, the more we talked about it, he realized what he was doing. Like, he had a system, but he didn't know he had a system. Right. So the more we talked about it over months and months and months and a year, he's like, I, one day he was like, hey, I know, I know I have the answer to that question. I'm like, what question? He's like, well, you asked me about six months ago. And I was like, all right, what's up? He goes, I just get back. I get back to, to the next position that I know best. He's like, so wherever you put me, I want to get back to the next position that I know best. So if you go low single and, and Joey jumps over the top, he wants to be on your ankle on his right hip. So he goes, I'll just jump over and get to where I'm good. And I know where to go from there. 
You know, so it came from instead of chaos and not thinking about what he was doing, he was like, I need to get to like one of three positions. Yeah. And he would scramble to one of three positions. And if he got to that position, he won the scramble every time. Yeah, that's really interesting. It was crazy. No, it's it's no, it's not crazy. It's great coaching, not good coaching. It's great coaching because a lot of guys would, you know, no, you're going high crotch double. Am I? Is Joey Langle ever going to go high crotch double? No, one hundred percent not. No, no, and he's and he's kind of a, you know, he's a bit of an outlier, right? Because listen, what happened to him in the Rutgers wrestling room? Oh, I mean, there oh. was cops out. There was cops outside some days. There was cops that were waiting to arrest some of our guys. Just the Rutgers RUPD was standing there. Never you know, won a wrestle off, by the way. I'll tell you what, though. Put him in a rack in front yeah. of 5,000. Good luck beating him. Yeah. Good luck. Beat, beat all American after all American. 100%. Didn't matter. You know, just knew where he wanted to be, knew what he wanted to do. And when the lights were on, that dude was ready. He was ready. He was a fun one. All right, man. Well, we uh, we got to get moving, Joey. I, it's always a pleasure to speak to you. Same, likewise. All right, brother. We'll hey, talk let's to you soon. Up you guys months. get out here. All right. All right. Hey, yes, I you know one hundred percent. I'll I'll make sure that we we get a hold of you. It'll probably be June sometime. All right. Cool. Let me know. How can people find you, Jeff? Joel, they can find me at. Uh, on Instagram, Coach Joey P Rewind on Instagram and uh, at Joe Pollard on Twitter. Awesome. Sounds good. Thanks so much for coming on. Absolutely, guys. Thank you, brother.